Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Um, So today on all of our campuses, um, we are teaching what we call in the message time. This is a freestanding message. This is a standalone message. It's not connected to any series. A lot of times uh, here at Community of Hope, we do series work. So we take a topic and we break it down really from a developmental, theological kind of perspective. And then we we, uh, bring that to you. And on occasion, when we're between those uh, series... Uh, we will do what we call standalone messages, and today's a standalone message has an important uh, content, important idea behind it. Uh, if you're with us, last week, uh, Jess Stafford was here and closed out our series called Cave Time on a Message on Hopelessness, and wasn't that awesome last weekend? Man, I was, uh, it was so cool to get to hear her. Um, I don't talk about this a lot, but I serve as a trustee at the seminary that I attended many years ago. Many of us on our staff uh, have attended or are attending. In fact, Jess is a student, current student there now. And I knew that uh, when the week was coming up, I'm going to be involved in that. That's always a lot going on. Meetings start early and run really late. And so I had scheduled to be off for the weekend. And when I'm off, totally off, not in the rotation, I like to be in the water. Any water bugs in the room that you like water? Here we are in South Florida, nine of us. Okay, good. (laughs) Wow. I mean, we need to work on that. But uh, anyhow, I told Jess, I said, okay, so you got the football. And I said, "Um, I will be away probably in the water somewhere. And I was up in the Jupiter Inlet on my paddleboard, and I told her, I said, do a good job. You're going to preach to the pelicans. And I want, I want you to know, like, pelicans got saved last weekend in Jupiter Inlet. <laughs> Jess did an awesome job. I'm so proud of her. And, you know, this probably just, can I just say kind of moment of uh, honesty in front of the room here. Um, we are a church uh, that stands in the tradition theologically that uh, 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 really rallies behind and celebrates women in Christian ministry and women in Christian leadership. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, we are uh, a culture right now that is marginalizing women everywhere. Yeah, I said it. I said it. And um, we don't do that at our church. And I gotta just, I gotta, I gotta tell you, occasionally you'll see uh, Jess get to preach, but Jess on, a, uh, on our teaching team. And so even when she's not preaching, you're gonna hear, you'll hear her voice on the stage because she has so much to contribute. And I feel like my responsibility as uh, our lead pastor is to just celebrate and applaud that where uh, the, the truest extent of somebody's natural calling. And uh, I know that uh, I've studied a lot that in Scripture, and I'm willing to have a conversation if anybody thinks differently. But even the verses that seem to marginalize women in leadership, there's a context to those. There's a context to those. And so uh, I just, I I tell you what, last week, uh, the verse of Scripture that kind of came into my brain as I'm paddling my way through the uh, Jupiter Inlet up there is um, the verse where Paul says, I delight to see how my children are living in the faith. And when Jess was preaching, it was like, I delight to see uh, somebody in their gift 
in their gift, and I was I'm so moved by that. All right, enough, enough of that uh, public service announcement over. Okay. So this morning, um, we are, I want to teach a foundational element of the Christian experience that is, it's super important that we get it right. And uh, here's what I think. A lot of times, um, we are a church that takes very seriously the teaching of God's word. We want to, we want to get it right. We always recognize a community of hope that people are coming from a lot of different places. So we have fully devoted followers in the room. We have people who just snuck in here. They're not sure about it. We might have a few people that, um, they're, you're not even sure why you're here. How did I get here? Why am I here? And, um, and so um, we always try to honor all of those tensions in the room. But here's what I would tell you as a, as a lead up to what I want to talk about this morning and walk us through. Um, I think that in every discipline that you and I would think about uh, in our lives, there are some guiding principles to these disciplines that if we miss the guiding or foundational principle, listen to me, we might miss the whole thing. Okay, like if we get this one thing wrong, we might get all of it wrong. Does that make sense? Um, and, and today, here's I'm going to draw a connection because I want us to talk about the Holy Spirit. And this is a subject right here that if we get the, the, the role and the work of the Holy Spirit wrong, we might get the whole thing wrong. Um, many of y'all know I'm, I'm a sports guy, and uh, particularly I'm a huge baseball guy. Any other baseball folks in the room? Praise God. All right. And uh, go Braves, by the way. And uh, at any rate, I want to show you how long I've been a baseball fan. Come on, that's a good-looking kid right there. And, and in fact, I want you to notice how big the feet are and how big the ears are. I know, I know you were thinking it. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. And uh, many of y'all know I'm a granddad now. And th- the minute my grandboy was born, and I knew Mama was all right, and I knew Baby was all right, my very first question I asked Haley is, I said, "How big are his ears?" I want to know. And here's what I would tell you. He's all weaver. He's no lock. He's all weaver. So he's, he's doing good. But um, uh, I played baseball a lot growing up, played baseball in high school, and uh, thought I was going to be a baseball star until a, a high school coach said, uh, probably not. And, um, and, and at any rate, um, but here's an interesting thing you might not know about me. I'm also left-handed. Who's anybody left-handed? And I, you're my people, I love you. And uh, I'm left-handed, and uh, it's weird though, I do some things like I eat left-handed, I write left-handed, my stronger, more dominant hand is my left hand, but I do some things right-handed. How many of y'all are that, you're just kind of confused? And I'm, I'm kind of confused. And in fact, my mom tells me that when I was little, I would always reach with my left hand and I had an aunt that whatever I put in my left hand, she would take it out of my right hand and put it in my left hand. Till my mom said, stop that craziness. And I've been confused ever since. <laughs> okay. But because of that, when I was first learning how to play baseball, I had a coach who, who, who said, I, I just stood when I was going to bat and I had this weird thing that I would do. And uh, he called it a hitch in my giddy up. 
Isn't that funny? And, and, and there was just a way that I addressed the ball that was not correct, and he had to work that out. And he, he said, I'm convinced it's because you're left-handed in some things, you're right-handed in, in some other things. And this is what he said to me. He said, if you don't get this right, you won't get anything else right. Now, think with me about this. I think the same thing is true in the Christian experience with respect to the work and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, if we don't get the, the, uh, our understanding about the Holy Spirit correctly, we're liable to miss most of what the Christian experience should be about and most of uh, what it is. We can just get it wrong. And, and I, I want to say this on the upfront with good reason. Uh, some of us come from traditions where the Holy Spirit is never talked about in the church. Do you remember what they used to say about Elvis? They'd go, Elvis has left the building. And, and I think sometimes there are churches that the Holy Spirit has left the building and the, Holy, and the church doesn't know because they've never paid any attention to the Holy Spirit. Come on, this is an interactive sermon, Okay. <laughs> And then some of us on the other side uh, of the fence, we struggle with the Holy Spirit because we've been a part of churches where um, the Holy Spirit, in a way, I'm just going to say it, has been weaponized. And it's all hyper-emotionalism, and it's, it's weird. Sometimes we say, people say things about us, and they reference the Holy, like the Holy Spirit told me this about you, and you go, ugh. You know, and so there's all this weirdness and there's all this tension. And so we can get it, we can get it wrong. I, I was thinking about this in particular because this weekend is an important weekend really for, for Christians everywhere. And uh, it's, it's Pentecost Sunday. And, uh, and in fact, you know, think with me about this. Um, a lot of us, a lot of things we do in our culture are drawn by, are, are driven by our calendar, right? So this is Memorial Day weekend. We have a national calendar. In fact, think with me about this. How many of y'all, I'd just be curious. How many of y'all have a calendar? Hold your hand up. They're very good. You're adults. Okay. Um, how many of you, uh, have an analog calendar paper only? Come on. Don't be ashamed. It's okay. How many of you go uh, have digital? Okay, all right, yeah. How many of you have more than one calendar? We're gonna pray for you right now. Um, here's what I think about this. Um, you know, like it's Memorial Day weekend. Think about this. Um, Friday school is out, so there's kind of the local calendar. Uh, um, we have personal calendars. I remember when Beth and I started dating, I learned that her birthday, uh, actually it's June 22nd. I learned that it was June 22nd, and and, and, and that was the first day, year we, were, we had just started dating. And then the next year, somebody joked with her. This is a true story. They joked with her that, her that her birthday was the 19th of June. And I heard that, and it stuck in my head. Yeah, like rookie move. And so on the 19th of June, I gave her a birthday card. I kid you not. And she was like, you're an idiot. But anyhow... And because of that experience, I kid you not, I, this is totally true. Every year on her birthday, I get a little nervous because it's kind of stuck in my head. It's kind of like the guy that, I don't know if you've heard the joke of the guy that comes down, uh, you know, he's, they're both, he and his wife about to head off to work and, 
And she goes, do you know what, you know what today is? And he thought, oh my gosh, I have made a mistake. And he goes, of course I know what today is. And so he goes off to work. She goes off to work. He sends her flowers. He, he sends her chocolates. He, he has this group come and they sing to her. And, and he gets home in the afternoon and she's waiting there at the front door. She beat him home from work. And, and she says, man, I love you so much. She goes, thank you. So that was, this has been the funnest groundhog day. <laughs> come on, come on. But, but this weekend is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday is the time when the church across the world celebrates the, that when Jesus was ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit descended to the church and gave birth to the church. Pentecost, uh, part of that means uh, 10. So uh, this is like 50 days after Passover, we celebrate Pentecost. And I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that um, describes Pentecost Sunday, the very first Pentecost Sunday, and it talks about this incredible thing where Jesus has ascended and the Holy Spirit comes down. And we're going to learn about the Holy Spirit today. Does that sound good? Good, because that's what I have prepared. So that's what we're going to talk. So what I want you to do is stand. And, uh, and uh, here's the, vi- this is the very first Pentecost, all right? Acts chapter 2, verse 1. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. This is the disciples. They were all in one place. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent uh, wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that came and separated, uh, separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. There it is. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Now when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked. Aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it, how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? I mean, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors of Rome, both Jews and converts of Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. Now, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And some of them said, uh, some of them, uh, however, made fun of them and said, ah, they've just had too much wine. Okay? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, you can be seated. Don't you love how the Bible's so real? Love it. So, the disciples um, are in the upper room. They're they're roughly in the same place that they were uh, just prior to Jesus being carted off and you know uh, crucified and all of that. They were they were in fear of their lives. Remember, there were these people that you know they killed Jesus. Now they're now they're looking for this little ragtag group of guys that were around Jesus. And um, Jesus is resurrected. 
And so he starts showing up in different places. And this is what I love about the Bible. I mean, honestly, it's a little weird. And if you're new to church, this, this sounds a little weird. He would just pop in and pop out. I, I just love it, you know? You think this, all this Marvel movie's got nothing on Jesus, right? <laughs> nothing on him. And, and so he shows up post-resurrection, and he eats with the disciples. Now, this is in his resurrected form. Jesus is out of the grave. And, uh, and, and then in this moment, uh, the Holy Spirit falls on the church and the church is born. So now here's what I want to tell you. If in any way you're connected with church, say you're here, this is, you're still wondering how you're here, or you're super committed and you're here, all of, we can trace all of our roots back to Acts chapter 2. This is the birth of the church. And the Holy Spirit comes and this thing happens. Kind of weird, a little crazy, a little, you know, it's sort of out there. But it's interesting, if you're in Acts chapter 2, if you just go back one chapter to Acts chapter 1, we begin to pick up some cues about the Holy Spirit. And I want to take you back to Acts chapter 1. Again, all of our tradition goes back to these, these two chapters. So we go to Acts chapter 1, and uh, here is Luke, the gospel writer, wrote the book of Acts. Here's what he says. He says, on one occasion, he says, while he, being Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days from now, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So here's the promise. Now, no, here's what I want you to notice. First thing I want you to notice. He says, wait for the gift. Whoop, go back. That, 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 you missed gift. Okay? And then if you go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we learn something else about the gift. And let's go to Acts 1.8. Now, he's going on. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And he says this, you will receive power. So what do I want you to know about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit? Where do we begin? What's our foundation? Here's our foundation. First of all, it's this. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God the Father. How many of you have ever received a gift? A really good gift. Okay? Uh, and um, sometimes when we receive a gift, there's such an emotion connected to it, it becomes a, almost a transformational moment in our lives. I think I've shared the first time I brought my mom, 93-year-old mama down to meet her great-grandson. Oh. And there's this moment when she walks in and I'm watching my daughter go, oh. And I, my mom was just speechless. And what I want you to know is um, God gives the third person of the Trinity to his church as a gift. Okay? No reason to be afraid. No reason to make it weird. It's a gift. 
And, and then we learn another thing, and it's that the Holy Spirit gives us power to live the Christian life. Pause. Here's what I've noticed. Little little discovery I've noticed. There's a big difference in trying to live the Christian faith in your own power and living the Christian experience from a power that God gives you. If I were to be candid, when I first became a follower of Jesus, uh, my dad, who was in management, corporate management with Nabisco, we had moved from Braden over to West Palm. Many of you know one of the humbling experiences of my life was, you know, we started attending this super powerful, super healthy church over in West Palm called Good Shepherd. And uh, that's, that's our East Campus to this day. Never would have dreamt, right, when God called me to ministry that that would be, be a connection. It's hard for me to be on that campus and not be emotional about it. Um, but um, I had just made a commitment to Christ, and I was very young in my faith, and I made the tragic mistake that many of us make in the Christian experience. And, and it becomes this. It becomes a feverish effort to try harder. That's not how the Christian experience is supposed to be lived. It's not a try harder thing. And uh, I, uh, as a young man, was, that's what I was doing. And uh, I tried to be the best version of me that I thought I could be. And it turns out, that's actually not a great version. (laughs) And it turns out that you can do that for a little while and then you run out of energy. Uh, years ago, I was uh, had gone over, frankly, y'all know Pastor George. I think I'd gone over to help Pastor George in something. He'd, he'd messed something up. I had to go fix it. <laughs> and uh, I was driving back. Uh, I, was, I was driving over on State Road 80. And uh, if you ever, have you ever driven from the West Coast and you come on State Road 80, there's a hard left-hand turn headed east. And if you miss it, you're going to Fort Lauderdale. And I missed it. <laughs> and uh, I missed it, and I was driving my little Ford Ranger pickup, and uh, it was out of gas. <laughs> and, I, and I started to recognize for a while, it just looks like the same road. And then after a while, you go, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is the same road. <laughs> and I kept driving, I kept driving, I kept driving. And I finally, I kid you not, this is a true story. There was this, if you keep going straight, you kind of go right into the Everglades, right? You all know where I'm talking about? And I I did that. I went right into the Everglades. I showed up. I I pulled up at this place. My 
car is like, you know, there's the empty gauge. It's below the empty gauge. And I'm knowing that I have any minute. I'll never forget. I pulled up and there was this guy doing airboat, like, you know, airboat, like rides into the Everglades. And I I started rehearsing all these scenarios, a number of them meaning I'm never going to be seen again. And finally, this guy, he said, he told me, he said, you're lost, aren't you? I said, yes, sir, I'm lost. He goes, happens all the time. And he said, and he basically was telling me that I missed the left-hand turn in a way that made me sound and feel like I was an idiot. You ever had, like, people give you instructions and they go, you know, you're a dummy, but, you know, this is what happened. And then he told me how to get to the gas station. And I have never so willingly paid to fill up a gas a car with gas in all of my life. That, that's what like living the Christian experience is outside of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. It, it, over time, it looks so good at first. And over time, I think you exhaust yourself, you exhaust everybody around you, and you exhaust the Lord who said you don't have to do it that way. And I learned three things about the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to give them to you right now. One is this. The Holy Spirit gives us power to know the love of God. You know what I've come to believe about the human experience? Every person who's in a relationship with another human being, even as good as it is, it's imperfect. Do you know how I know that? Because I'm married. (laughs) Would you let me finish the illustration? (laughs) And as much as there isn't a person I love on the planet more than that precious girl that said yes to me many, many years ago. And I know a lot of you are wondering, how did he pull that off? (laughs) But as much as I love Beth, here's what I know about me. I love her imperfectly. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is willing to reveal to us a love that is unconditional and without boundary. Now, here's what I want you to know about God. Whether you believe it, whether you love God or not, here's what I could tell you about the Lord. He loves you unconditionally. In fact, I had a friend who said it this way. He he can't love you more and he won't love you less. Isn't that good? Um, In fact, let me show you this real quickly. Um, Paul says in the book of Ephesians, I want you to notice what he says here. He says, for this reason, he's talking about the love of God. And and just go with me here. Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. So he's praying. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now watch what he says. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through the spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He goes on, and, and, I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ. And going on, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Here's what I want everybody in the room to know. You can't do that on your own. You can't. Uh, you You are going to manifest your understanding of love toward a perfect heavenly father based on the upper limit of your experience of the love of a human, another human being. And that will always be imperfect. God loves you unconditionally. And to really know that, you need to have that revealed to you by the person in the work of the Holy Spirit. I have learned that not only is there power to know the love of God, there's also power, the Bible teaches, to become like Christ. When I was a a younger believer in the Lord, I, I, I memorized this verse. I'll just throw it up here. It's Galatians 5. We know it as the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That verse, you can't do that on your own. If so, right now, this is what preaching would be. I, you, you all would come in here and sit down, and I would go, I command everybody in this room to be more joyful. Does, do you feel joy right now when I say that? No, no. Here's what the Christian experience is. Um, and you can write this down. I, I've learned the Christian experience is to come to believe certain things and then to practice those things you believe. And when you believe the right thing and you practice the right thing, this kind of fruit grows in your life. I've seen it over and over again. I've seen some really snarly, mean dudes come into our church. And they always, always starts the same way. If I come in here, the walls are going to fall down. I said, have you seen our church be these other people are as jacked up as you are, man? And then they meet me in the lobby after church. And this is what they say. I don't know why it is. I come in here, I get emotional. I just, I just start crying. I, I can't make it out. I don't know what's going on. Then they use a lot of expletives, you know, and wander out. You can't do this on your own. You can't. But God wants to change every one of us. Here's what I love about the Christian experience. Change is possible. It's possible. I, I, I sit with people that, man, just have, they've had some rough human experiences. And it's not uncommon for me to get the question, will I ever be able to forgive them? Yes. Will I ever be able to forgive myself? Yes. Change is possible. But you can't do it on your own. So power to know the love of God, power to become like Christ. And and here's a crazy one. This is crazy. Power to do what Jesus did. What? Power to do what Jesus did. Look at what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 7. 
So now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, there it is again, is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit, going on. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, whoa, by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers, whoa. To another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, he gets even, goes on. To another speaking different kinds of tongues, still to another interpretation of tongues, all these the work are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. This is how we become messengers. We're different. I was reading a while ago for this message, and I have an author that I uh, love, and he makes this observation. He says, uh, often people are moved at first by a vision of Jesus. They get overwhelmed by hope and the beauty of promise, and so it's easy to say yes to it. And so begins the honeymoon experience of the Christian life. They get drawn to the love of God, even to the Bible. They're drawn to worship. Even some of the things in their lives change. But over time, the process can stall out. And this, he said, I've learned is the difference between being around the Spirit and the Spirit living in you. When I was very young in my Christian experience and trying to be the best version of me. I had a friend who just lived his life and his faith very differently. It was super becoming to me. I was captivated and challenged by it all the time. And as a young teenager, it took me a moment to get my courage underneath me. And one day I just asked him, I said, you know, man, just seems like the way you're living the Christian experience is the is different from the way I'm living the Christian experience, and and I want to live it differently. I, I I want I want more. And he pointed me to this verse, and I'm going to close our service with this or my message. He says this. John Jesus says the Spirit of Truth, talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you. Watch this, though. And he will be in you. What's the bottom line, Pastor Dale? This is a moment for us, I would say this way. Don't date God. It's not enough to be around him. Uh, that produces a honeymoon period that over time wears off. Let him live his life through you that makes the power of the Christian experience possible. That's what happened to me in 1985. I had a reorientation of how to live the Christian experience. It's not me trying harder. It's me training up. You hear the difference? It's not trying harder. It's training up and surrendering the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to sing a song I love. And I want to encourage you that in this song, this is a moment really for many of us. I just think, here's what I would tell you to do. Just say, Lord, um, 
First of all, if you're here and you're not sure, just say, Lord, why don't you help become more real to me? Why don't, why don't you help me why don't you help me set aside maybe bad examples, bad experiences, and say something new and fresh to me? And for others in the room, I, I would just say this. Maybe it's a prayer that says, Lord, I've been living in my own power. I want more of you. Uh, I open my heart to the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Come live your life through mine. That could be a really powerful moment. Would you stand? I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing, and we'll be done. Uh, Lord, would you use this uh, time in important ways in our church and important ways for every human being in this room, wherever they are in their relationship with you. God, you meet them there with your unconditional love. Move us forward in the strong, powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said. So before you leave this morning, um, I want to pray for all of you. And Pastor Trevor helped us earlier uh, this morning with that, uh, just with a posture. And I would encourage you to, maybe with your hands out in front of you, whether head bowed or eyes closed, just if you feel comfortable doing that. The Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, we want you to know that you're welcome in our church. We want you to know that you're welcome here. We want you to know that you're welcome in our lives. And uh, God, anybody listening to my voice that is suffering from the affliction of trying to live the Christian experience in their own power, we set that aside now in Jesus' name. And we ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would not only just be with us, that you might come and be in us so that we can know your love, so that we can become like Jesus, and so that we, oh God, may be able to do even some of the things you do, not for our glory, but for your glory. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. We ask it in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Always, of course, we have folks here that are willing to pray for you. Would you go in God's mercy and his grace? We'll see you next weekend. Happy Memorial Day.